Wasn't there a boxing movie called Warrior? Yeah, I think it came out in 2011. Who was in it? Tom Hardy, and then I don't know anyone else. I thought it was Channing Tatum. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, I mean, I've just seen the poster. Uh, yeah, so when you assigned me this show, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had never heard of it, and it's in its second season. I watched episode one. It was called Learn to Endure or Hire a Bodyguard. Yep. And it premieres on Cinemax. At least it did on Sunday? Uh, Friday, October 2nd. Cool. Um, so what I learned really quickly was that this is a world of top hats and walking sticks. You had competing factions and territorial disputes. Um, who would ultimately control San Francisco's Chinatown? And who would control the opium drug trade? Um, you had coppers being paid off and politicians being, like, politician-y. <laughs> and the mayor is certainly corrupt, or at least just an asshole to his wife. Uh Tons of misogyny, racism reigned supreme. We're talking about the 18th, 1800s, 19th century. Yeah, um, the back half of it. Yeah, the back half of it. And it's brother versus sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the sense of most of what I got from just the previously, you know? Yeah, the show is based on writings of martial arts legend Bruce Lee. Yeah, I saw that. It said based on writings of Bruce Lee, and I was like, well, it's certainly not about his life. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's just kind of based on, like, archives. Unless he's admitting to, like, murdering a lot of people. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's created by Jonathan Troppers, who has worked with Cinemax before on stuff like Banshee, and it's produced by his company, Tropper Inc. Productions, and it's also executively produced by Justin Lin, who directed um, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, all the way to Fast and Furious 6, and produced by his company, Perfect Storm Entertainment. There is something to be said about Banshee being the guy who created this, Mm -hmm. because you have a main character who is not afraid to bloodshed. (laughs) He's not afraid for vengeance, and he's not afraid to basically lie to get what he wants. And as a the top action i assume yeah and you watch banshee and would you not compare that main character to someone who basically goes by their own moral code oh yeah 100 he is yeah like there's a scene in this episode where he basically realizes that there's this group called the teddy boys which for some reason reminded <laughs> me of the proud boys it seems like a lot of racist groups mm-hmm. or leaning and, groups and the show and the, is like kind of trying to put in that xenophobic sense and trying to get more representation to um asian community well, I mean, honestly, at that time in history, we know that that existed mm-hmm. because they even put a block in immigration that Chinese, the Chinese right. people couldn't be moving over into the U.S. Right, at yeah. a certain point. They even referred to them as coolies, um, which was a term I'd never heard of as be- before, and it just means, like, cheap Asian labor. Right. And I, I guess it's fallen out of the vernacular, which, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. But, um, yeah, where was I going with this? Okay, yeah, so he finds out about the Teddy Boys, which they get in, initiated into the group by scalping a Chinese person. Yeah. And so he's like, we got to do something about this. And he goes to talk to his, like, other uh, Batman lady mm-hmm. person. And, to, and he's like, we got to go beat these people up. And she's like, we shouldn't just kill erroneously because <laughs> then the cops are going to start asking questions. And then they end up doing it anyways. Um <laughs> Which in, in, in a pretty cool scene, but uh, it just goes to show that he just has no limitation to what he's willing to do in order to show that, as long as the people are bad. Yeah, and this show is like trying to be action-packed. It's a drama. It um, reminds me a lot of um, Into the Badlands. Yeah, in fact, I have, I have, I've read a review that said that the music specifically reminded me of Into the Badlands because there's a lot of like guitar riffs and a lot of like, you know, that type of like sense of it. 
Yeah, there's also a lot of like violins uh, playing in the old Western type town mm-hmm. mixed with this Asian culture of martial artists and stuff. So yeah, Into the Badlands, you also have Marco Polo, that show that was on Netflix for a while, yeah. and that had a lot of martial arts you in it. You even have someone who was in Marco Polo. Yeah. Oh, was it Father June? No, it was Olivia Chang. Uh, she plays Atoy. Atoy, that's her his vengeance partner. She doesn't play a call girl, but she does like entertain men for like that's her standard job. Yeah. And then on the other hand, she's like out there doing crime and stuff. Yeah, she she works at a brothel. Yeah, but she's pretty cool though. Atoy was actually a, a historical figure during the second half of the 19th century during this time frame. So, so like did, that was kind of historically accurate. Did Bruce Lee just like do a lot of historical research and then say I want to write about this and then incorporate my own martial arts skills or something well, I believe like how does he write his moves in a book well I believe that he just kind of <laughs> like wrote down certain things and then Shannon Lee found it in her archives and then like it's actually been adapted into um, um, a comic book TV maybe? show oh movie. okay yeah. Um, but yeah like uh, the cool thing about this was Justin Lin reached out to Shannon Lee and was like hey I really want to make this series and the reason why Shannon Lee was interested is because a lot of people know about Bruce Lee's writings, but they just kind of want to almost pay her off and then have free reign over it. Kind oh, of so like, they can just adapt it to yeah. their own needs. Yeah. But but Justin Lin was like, no, I actually want to work with you. I want you to be part of it. And then that... That's what they all say. Since she was, And then he screwed her over. <laughs> yeah, but since she wanted to be involved, she was like, yeah, sure. And so they decided to make the show, and they obviously wanted to make it as authentic to his writings as possible. That's cool. Uh, the opening intro is actually really artsy, and that's what made me think it would be a comic book at first because like or you know like one of those uh graphic novel type things um basically this episode didn't move the plot too much it didn't feel like like yeah. i was introduced to a ton of characters is some from last season some i think are new because, introduced yeah yeah because at the end of the episode we got a little tutorial as to how they made some stuff um oh let, they did one of those things where it's like stay tuned i think afterwards. cinemax always does okay but uh let me just go into what i got from the synopsis mm-hmm. um in the previously, Assam entered this fighting tournament uh, against his sister's wishes. His sister's name is Mai Ling's. Mai, sorry, Mai Ling. Um, and then he got his ass handed to him, basically. And I think uh, it was like a gladiator fight where they then turned to the sister and says, what do you want um, us to do with him? And she she almost ices him. Uh, she's, she tells them to kill him. And then it's like something intervenes and he doesn't actually get killed. Uh, but he's resentful, of course, because of this. And so he joins this group called the Tongs, who I think he had some sort of connection to beforehand, but never or like left or something. And they are in charge of the mafia, like opium trade right. there. Yeah. And that's controlled by Father June and his son, um, Young June. And uh, the tournament also scars him to the point where he spends his free time like honing his skills in a fight pit and that's where we start off this season uh it's at the bottom of a landlocked boat that's where this these fights happen and it's at this place called the barbary coast which think of tortuga in the pirates of the caribbean series yeah um that island or sort of like a red light district they said they had a lot of fun building the set because it was like this giant dark town with a bunch of rapscallions Mm -hmm. and people with two teeth um yeah, so he's fighting this big bloke, this muscly dude, and he beats him, but then he, like, gets mad at himself for how his technique wasn't the best because he's challenged later on. He was like, 
I have to find the place where I lost in the previous fight. And he keeps getting these backflashes to that previous fight. So he's definitely haunted by that. And he also has this competitive edge with his sister because his sister now owns a lot of power and has actually come to a reasonable like uh, treaty or conclusion with the Father June guy. Right. So he's not allowed to go after his sister. And young June is kind of upset about that too. He doesn't like to see um, Mai Ling with so much power. But she doesn't seem like a complete antagonist. In fact, she would probably be, um, if we had seen the story from her perspective, then her brother would be the bad guy. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting story. So you're saying that the villain, though, is like a villain that you can care about? Like She's not really a villain, though. Like, she cares about her brother. She just is more interested in getting her own power and leading the people. Because we see her as a good person. She goes to this um, market and buys these lemons. And this guy's about to, like, wait until the end of the day to bring his wife to the hospital. Because she's got this terrible cough. And she just buys the entire stand of lemons uh. so that he can go to the hospital right then and there. The storyline isn't specific to just them, though. We have a lot of other characters, from the cops uh, to the mayor to this um, Sophie and, and Penny lady who own a steel workplace. Um, yeah. Penny does. And uh, there's just a lot of different variables going on around there. And so there are bad guys in that. Yeah. Form too. I, I wanted yeah. to ask, this show has, like you said, a lot of characters. And it also has a lot of talent behind it. You have people from Game of Thrones, Banshee, um, the Nick vikings fast and furious 9 and you even have some disney stars like miranda raisin who was in uh the artemis fowl movie as well as uh chen tang who was in the mulan movie so oh, you have a okay. lot of like acting behind the camera so i wanted to ask how was the acting in the show didn't mulan and artemis fowl both get like bombed yeah <laughs> okay so it's not okay yeah wait, what was your question uh how was the acting in the show like the acting's fine i think the dialogue could be better you got a lot of like formulaic lines the standard like tropes you know mm -hmm. um i even wrote some of them down that's why i'm turning the page let me see uh, so it fluctuates i said from standard back and forth like you should have killed me and why are we letting them do this your power is being questioned like just it like it's an anime <laughs> yeah well it kind of read that way if you were just to look at the lines mm -hmm. but then you did get some characters like chow who we meet sort of at the end i'm sure he was in the first season and he basically knows everything about everything um but he's running a legit business but the cops are hassling him to find out like who's murdering these people right and it's a toy and stuff um and he he knows everyone's business and he says something to a toy at the very end he's like don't overestimate how much i'll suffer to keep your secret and i thought that was a really interesting uh, proposal because in all, a lot of these shows it's like everybody is always um very stubborn and yeah. so if secrets are kept for a while but like this guy's just being straightforward with it as a secret keeper he's like i will not just let my business die because of you now i don't mean to keep comparing this to banshee but since it's made by the same person i kind of have to i want to ask sometimes banshee tried to be like really dark and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't does this show try to be dark or does it like kind of fail in that respect i think it's got a lot of comedy driven into it because of the martial arts uh the way that the fights are done and yeah, stuff. even olivia chang uh wrote that it was incredibly funny and entertaining and that kind of leads me to my next question what kind of humor does the show invoke is it quick-witted off-kilter one-liners like one-liners yeah there's a lot of one-liners and there's a big laugh track <laughs> i'm kidding um think about like spartacus uh there's a lot of bloody spectacle like laugh laughter like there's a limb getting cut off and the guy running like ah without an arm <laughs> yeah um and then there's a lot of people who get shish kebobbed mm -hmm. uh when they first are 
getting the Teddy Boys, and they're about to do their like lynching of this um, innocent Asian guy who they have already cut his hair. They put him on a, to a noose and they pull him up alive, and he's like struggling for life. And then at the last second, someone cuts the rope, and we don't know who it is, and it's like it could be Batman and then they switch the camera over and it's just this girl with like a sword and you're just like oh it's like hit girl from kick-ass right, yeah and then uh she just like starts slicing people's throats now so, as yeah. you can imagine like uh Cinemax just loves having action shows like this but um like for Banshee it was 25 hours to, uh, to shoot some fight scenes so they definitely wanted to make the fight scenes like the big thing in the show and, well like, a lot really of martial good. artists actually are the ones who actually perform their own stunts like actors Right. actually do it so we're a lot of the was the main character here an actual martial artist like uh, yeah actor, i'm yeah. assuming yeah and uh that i doing research on him i uh found some facts and i want you to guess which one out of these five is false i'll give them to you um one is he went to korea for a month for a self-imposed training camp two is he had to learn all his chinese dialogue phonetically for the show Three is he didn't want to originally take on the role of the show because he felt he wasn't right for it until his dad pushed him to make an audition tape. Four is he is able to speak in nine dialects. And five is he is skilled in at least ten sports. Wait, so n- number four and number two kind of counter contradict each other, right? G- give me number two again. He had to learn all his Chinese dialogue phonetically for the show. Okay, and then the fourth one was? He is able to speak in nine dialects. So those contradict each other, right? I don't know. Um, it, okay, I'll say two because he has such a good American accent that it felt like he was that he was born in America. Uh, it was number three. Oh, no. Um, okay. Now, there is actually some truth to the fact that he didn't want to originally take the role, but it wasn't his dad who said that uh, he should try out for it. It was his mom because he felt like he wasn't going to be able to do it justice. But it's crazy that he went to Korea for a month for self-imposed training camp in between season one and two because it was only an eight-month period in between the shows, and it was to improve his kick um, for to, the show. To improve his kick? That's what that's what he, how he described it, yeah. And wow. He yeah, also, that's commitment. I, yeah, I mean, he's skilled in boxing, climbing, gymnastics, karate, kickboxing, kung fu, and just a lot of, like, those things. So I was pretty surprised to see that. I don't mean to question his antics, but say that you got hired for a big show like this and you knew that, like, they would pay for you to do things as long as they're part of the show, like a tax write-off. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yeah, I got to go study my kick. <laughs> and I've always wanted to see South Korea, you know? Like, and I can only learn my kick in South Korea. <laughs> That's the only way I can do it, yeah. Yeah, like, it, I also want to just meet Jackie Chan. In fact, can he be my instructor? Like, no, um, this also reminded me of It Man. And I know that right. Bruce Lee was taught by It Man. Right. And so there were some moves that I kind of saw. He even has the dojo thing that you remember in Daredevil Season 3 where he gets all beat up in yeah. the previous version and he has to, like... F- work his right, way Right, that back. was in the sixth episode, I think. But yeah. yeah, so I kind of saw that as, as being similar to this because Daredevil was super depressed and he was like, he had to retrain himself psychologically and it wasn't as defeatist as that because remember Daredevil was like, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> but like uh, th- this guy, Asan, he he gets angrier and he's like, again, looking for that flaw in his technique and he's trying to get his mojo back with these fights. Um, right, and that's because, like you said, at the end of season one, uh, his sister, like, tried to kill him, or, like, put people to try and kill him. I, she's, he said it as, because they had this conversation, right. he's like, you tried to get me diced, 
And I was like, diced? That's an interesting way of putting and, it. Yeah, and yeah. they wanted to focus on that, or at least the main actor did want to focus on that this season, because obviously, if that were to actually happen, it'd be a pretty big deal. So. so tell me a little bit more about this Penny Blake lady, because I got a sense that she was her own independent person. Um, but her sister, I think, Sophie, mm-hmm. uh, just shows up this episode. And she is a cool character. I liked her lines because she was funny. Um, I guess the closest to a one-liner, as you would put it, because she was making fun of the mayor and she wasn't afraid to just kind of be flirty with her dialogue. She even said something along the lines of, like, your husband looks like a potato (laughs) in regards to the mayor, uh, Mayor Samuel, um, because her sister was kind of just hounding her about going on a date with this guy named Spencer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, The only problem with her character that I saw was that she felt too modern. Like, it didn't seem like there'd be that type of person back then like as right, independent yeah. yeah she feels like she could be in a show today well yeah the thing about sophie is that um she's with larry who i believe bombed the building at the end of this episode and his character is an american oh civil- oh oh okay okay that makes a lot of sense now because larry we see buying buying dynamite but i didn't connect it to the very ending like explosion mm-hmm. because the explosion was the like um I think it was supposed to leave you questioning yeah, what was going it, on. Yeah, it's basically like a thing for the rest it's of the season. It's a cliffhanger. But right? was it, was it, did he blow up Penny's place or did he blow up one of the like Asian hubs? Was oh, it, what I guess read was that he blew, he blew up a building. Like I wasn't able to get that much Yeah, I didn't know what it. building it was though. But his character is an American Civil War veteran union leader and he does um, get involved with Penny's sister and that's supposed to kind of be an intense storyline because Leary. Well, we don't see that yet. Yeah, but Leary... So, they meet each other. Her character is introduced at a graveyard when he's kind of saying goodbye to his sons, mm-hmm. Ian and someone else, because they right, died yeah. of smallpox. Right, yeah, I read that. Yeah, um, but his character, basically, we see him demand money from people, so he's like a do collector, and I guess he just is doesn't... He, is he evil? I don't think so. I think he's just kind of, like, hard. Yeah, he's a hard character. But if he blew the place up, he might be evil. What I, what I read was that uh, he had something to do with Sophie's uh, father's death. So, you know. Okay, he sounds pretty evil then. Yeah, she so, might. So she might connect the dots. And She uh, seems smart. She'll, she'll collect the dots. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if he falls in with the Irish, um, but the Irish people... Remember how in Fargo you had a lot of marginalized communities yeah. being pitted against one another? Right, yeah. And so there would be these inner wars. Well, that's how it sort of feels with the Chinese right now and the Irish because they resent the cheap labor that they're taking their jobs, basically. And so there's the steel plant where they literally beat up a lot of the Chinese people coming in to work for Penny. And then Penny finds out about it, and she's already being pressured by her husband to sell the entire steel place, Mm -hmm. Mercer Steel. And I saw in the next episode, the mayor literally says, send the labor force back to China. So he's definitely on the side of the Irish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it seems that the police are also being paid off by the Chinese in a certain degree. I I know that the, not Lee, Lee is some sort of self-medicating cop and he's pretty smart, but he's on laudanum. So it makes him kind of uh, crazy. Right. And yeah, I I won't give anything away, but I'll just say there's a lot of kind of like backstabbing that goes on. Between the cops? Well, I was just going to say in the show in general. Um, But one thing I wanted to talk about was the character... Like, literally? Because there's a lot of swords. <laughs> oh, no, I love okay, it. yeah. Uh, Melee, who was played by Jenny Ampo, I think that's how you say her name. She w- already knew martial arts before the show, which actually some people who were in the show didn't know martial arts, so they had to learn it. Um, but she came to the U.S. to be part of Cirque de Soleil, 
Um, however, the show was shut down, and she's been stuck in the U.S. because of the pandemic. So, um, that's something. Also, the show has gotten uh, pretty good reviews. Uh, season 2 does not have anything on Rotten Tomatoes, but Season 1 has a certified fresh 79%, an audience score of 93%, and a IMDb score of 8.2 with around 11,100 reviews. Now, some of the reviews I read for this episode specifically kind of were talking about what you were talking about, where it's like the plot didn't move that much. They felt like it was more of an um, epilogue to Season 2 rather mm-hmm. than really setting up stuff for... Uh, Oh, sorry, Epilogue Season 1. Yeah, I mean, it did set things up. It introduced a character called Rosalita Vega, who I think he's going to have a relationship, the main character. Mm -hmm. She's the one who kind of runs the fights in that ship. And then there's also, we have, as you said, Mr. Leary blowing up that (laughs) one building. Um, I think at one point they called the the fighting style that they do Goon Fu, since (laughs) they are sort of goonish. Um, And then you talked about betraying or backstabbing, and I just wanted to bring up that young young June and uh, Asan... Uh, both are kind of working behind the back of Father June, mm-hmm. who kind of trusts Asan to lead his son in the right direction. Well, he shouldn't, yeah. because right now he's kind of like circumventing the opium trade thing to try to screw over his sister. Um, and I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but it's probably going to lead to Father. I think Father June at some point is going to die. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah and that's and just my prediction. You talk about Vega. Uh, TelltaleTV.com gave the show four out of five stars and specifically praised her as a great addition to the series and uh, even called the season just as great as the first season. Den of Geeks, Gene uh, Ching gave the show a three and a half out of five stars. Um, he was very, like, he gave a lot of praise because he enjoyed the story, acting, and some of the fight scenes, but said that with so many more shows being made about martial arts, it needs to try and find a way to stay in front of the pack I'd, and, I'd agree with that yeah. i'd say that the budget though is very helpful because they have with banshee wasn't it that they had a very small budget that they had to make the most of no i think with banshee they had a big budget oh i guess that because you once said that they only had they didn't have too many big stars show up on the show yeah that it just didn't pay for big stars yeah it, well, uh, well people became famous like obviously Anthony star and homelander and they had some people like i think uh the evil villain first season counterpart but yeah they didn't have too many like big names uh-huh so the settings in this show though are so big as they were talking about not just the place the barley or whatever place that they made this time barbary coast mm-hmm. but like everywhere every scene was shot in like a different place yeah they shot so. this in south africa and i wanted to ask did you think that the cin- cinematography was good because i feel like that's you know to shoot a fight scene yeah um they did a lot of different fight scenes but between there was the killing fight scenes and there was the spider-man in a um Remember the beginning of Spider-Man where he's, like, fighting in a cage? Oh, yeah. And then there's also the Wolverine scene where he's fighting at the beginning of his movie when we're first introduced oh, right, to him. yeah. The yeah, that's the sort of fights that go on in the um, shipyard. Yeah. yeah. Obviously without the superpowers, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, I did enjoy seeing people get murdered more. <laughs> I mean, I think you're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those are supposed to be high intense scenes. Um, I guess I want to say one more thing about Olivia Chang is that she's actually a journalist turned act uh, actress. So I found that kind of cool. Was she doing a journalistic article on the show, and then they were like, "Hey, why don't you join this?" No, I think she's meant <laughs> a couple other things. But um, yeah, Critical Hate gave the show an eight point five out of ten. Uh, but one thing that I do kind of want to bring up is that sadly, along with Jet. Warrior was canceled after one season on Cinemax, but by that point they had already kind of shot season two, so they are you know showing it and uh, premiering it. I thought you said it was successful. 
No, people are hoping that HBO Max will give it a new life. Um, but I think one of the reasons... Maybe it was too expensive. It might have been too expensive. And also, <laughs> it was averaging around 133,000 viewers. So that uh, another oh, reason could low. possibly be, yeah, the lowness of it. So it had a um, pretty good audience score. You said on Rotten Tomatoes, like in the 90s, right? Right, yeah. And if more people had watched it, because I wasn't aware of it, and I probably would have watched a couple episodes. I don't know if I would have gotten completely well, into it. The, the thing is, is that this follows kind of a pattern that Cinemax is doing where... Um, it started basically a decade ago with a show called Strike Back, which even featured um, Andrew Lincoln before he was on The Walking Dead, and and Banshee, which were two shows that did very well and kind of started the original Cinemax like series that they were producing. You, sorry, do you think Andrew Lincoln would have made a good Banshee guy? <laughs> they are completely different characters. I mean, Rick is sort of like the a little sheriff. Bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think he could have done it. He could have pulled it off. Maybe. Go but, ahead. Yeah. Um, basically, so Cinemax is kind of stopping their original series shows. Even Rolling Stones uh, commented on saying, even the uh, state that the Warrior is the network's final original offering after a decade of over-the-top action-packed series. So that's kind of where Cinemax is right now. So they're ending any new productions. Yeah, in fact, Strike Back is in its final season, which yeah. again is you know was the first original series. So at this point, yeah, they've been canceling the shows, and it seems like they're going to be done for a little while. That's interesting because when the movie industry sort of struggling and dying off, mm-hmm. and then you also have the Netflixes of the world yeah, taking off say, and going and, crazy. And I read about that. I there's no 100% reason why um, Warrior was canceled, but I do feel like part of it has to do with just streaming in general so i guess it's becoming such a competitive market yeah and in order to have cinemax you you need to just have cinemax like i don't think it's outleted through a different channel right, right? exactly like, yeah. so maybe they just want to make a deal with someone and kind of make their network Possibly. merge with that that being said warrior does have a fan base as they have before so yeah and asan's an interesting character i thought he did a good job acting um and even if his lines weren't always the most interesting i think the storyline could progress into a pretty cool second season and um i don't know if leary and him will ever meet because he seems like the main villain but. yeah and from what i get i don't think that they like really knew they were going to be canceled 100 percent. oh no so i'm so not they didn't like finalize i'm not 100 sure but i don't think that they finalized the ending like to a t so. all right well if you know that going in at least you can't be disappointed yeah all right so again the name of this episode was learn to endure or hire a bodyguard which is kind of you definitely see the main character trying to endure a lot you definitely see the chinese people getting pummeled by the mm-hmm. irish at some points and so they can't even afford a bodyguard yeah <laughs> um Oh, there was a line that said uh, specifically, warriors have two paths, get killed or get better. And I thought that was a good motto for the show because you could tell that everyone knows how to fight and it's kind of be, be kill or be killed, uh, Darwin's yeah. sort of evolution and natural Survival solution. of the fittest, yeah, yeah exactly. it covers the theme, yeah. But I think that'll cover it for today's episode and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.